Lori. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our Restoring Relationships podcast, also known as R&R. I'm super excited to have you on today and for our listeners to hear all about the things that you are doing to bring restoration and healing to your community. So thank you so much for having me. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for being a part. And so I love to start off with just introducing you. Um, And so I am going to begin. Corey Scholes is an educator in residence for Kauffman Foundation, where she advises the foundation on strategic program initiatives and opportunities related to education. One of her first major responsibilities at the foundation was to help start the Kauffman School, where she served as interim CEO during the school's launch. She has also developed and executed the foundation's strategy around attracting, developing, and retaining talent in the education sector in Kansas City. Her team is responsible for bringing programs like City Year, KCTR, and Kansas City Plus to Kansas City to make the talent pipeline more robust and able to support the foundation's other K-12 investments. So with that being said, let's get a warm welcome for Corey Scholes today. So I'll start, Corey, with you now giving me some background. Tell me about yourself and, you know, how's your path has gotten you to where you are today. Share about Kaufman and Amplify and its impact upon communities. So I gave you a lot, but I'd love to hear and share with our our community of listeners more about you. Sure. So, I mean, I consider myself a teacher. I was a teacher in Chicago public schools and in Kansas City public schools for many years. And then I became an administrator. I was a vice principal and a principal for many years. Um, and then that kind of led me on a little path to uh, to get to where I am today. I worked for an organization called Expeditionary Learning, um, which is now called EL Education, but it's not what it was called then, um, where I kind of worked all over the country uh, working with leaders and schools to try to get a more meaningful projects for students um, embedded in their curriculum and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, and then EL got a big grant from the Coffin Foundation. And I got a phone call, you know, asking me to kind of do that work. Um, so I went and helped do that. And that, then the Coffin Foundation was like, hey, do you want to stay here? I was like, sure. Um, so I've worked there. I've worked at the Coffin Foundation about 10 years. Um, and kind of because we built our school, it really kind of highlighted, you know, the talent crisis that we have in education right now. And of course, this was pre-pandemic and now it's 10 times worse than it was then, but really trying to attract, develop and retain high quality talent in our schools is really hard. And it's, it's, I mean, you live in a city like I live in, it's a small city, doesn't draw a lot of young people. Um, And so how do you create a pipeline where you can get young people to come and stay and become embedded in the community as educators? So that's what I've spent 10 years working on. Um, if you want to talk about parts of that pipeline or specifically amplify, we can talk about any of those, but the goal was to just build a way for people to enter the profession of education and then grow with it, all, you know, from pre-teacher, pre-service teachers to superintendents. I love that. And I just love the scope of how you guys are looking. Like you said, truly bring talent, right? Um, and, and diversify and really build up um, your communities in that regard. So I love that you're opening that door and creating those segues for that. 
And so because of my background of Amplify, I am excited for others to hear more about Amplify and all that you guys are doing with Amplify. Um, and, and I am just so blessed to have been able to be sent by my district to Kansas City um, to come to the Amplify conference to just get a taste of what you guys are doing and the impact that you're having. So I'm going to give you the floor and allow you to share uh, all about Amplify. Sure. So the idea basically came, I don't know, one weekend, my friend Winston Cox actually wrote an article for Ed Leadership, you know, talking about that 2% of educators are black males. And then something else happened in the same week when it was talking about like the lack of educators of color in the profession. So I thought, God, I don't know if we've ever leveraged the resources of the Kauffman Foundation to like do something about a problem that we know exists. I mean, I have this conversation with people all the time. When was the first time you had a black teacher? I actually had it yesterday at lunch with my friend, Tony, and he texted his brother and said, have we ever had a black teacher? And his brother texted back, mom, like they couldn't name a single teacher in their K-12 experience besides their mother, who was not a formal teacher. She was just their first teacher. Um, you know, who had ever had a black teacher in their school? And uh, my daughter is a black woman and she's never, she, you know, she's had a black woman teacher as an assistant in like fifth grade. And that's the only person that looks like her that she's ever had. So like 75% of all teachers in K-12 systems in this country are me, they're white women. Um, and so for me, that just leaves such a, like that is, first of all, that's a lot of power to give white women um, because it's, it's how we train people. Everyone, everyone got there. I bet if I asked everyone, what's the first time you had a white teacher as a nobody would struggle to to answer that question because everybody has had at least one most likely most of their teachers have been white women and so that means all kids in this country are basically educated through my lens and that is fundamentally problematic to when thinking about you know we we, we all have a lens we have a perspective um i'm imposing mine on kids right that's what you do in your teacher you're you're teaching through your lens and so I was just like, God, I don't think we've ever really done anything with the foundation to kind of leverage that. So I started calling some people. I was like, if we had a conference for like educators of color only, do you, what do you think of that? Is that a good idea? I wasn't actually prepared for how many people were like, oh my God, it is so necessary. And I said, you know, like where do, where, what other, what exists, you know, what kind of conferences are specifically for educators of color? And people could not tell me any, like they just didn't know any. So we really just started it as a try it. Like, okay, let's just plan it and see if people come. Um, I was dumbfounded by how many people showed up. Um, you know, and you're fo- now we've been doing it for five years. Um, not during our COVID year, but the year before, you know, it sold out in, in 80 minutes or something. We had a thousand people try to register, um, you know, for a conference that holds 400 on a good day. So it was just clear that this was something that people wanted. And so we have just tried, you know, one of the ways we've tried to kind of distribute power is it's not fair to ask teachers to come plan this conference because they're teachers and they're busy. And so we've had a committee since day one of current teachers and school leaders who kind of bring to the table, like what are the ideas and the, the struggles that people are having in school right now that we could address. Um, And then they kind of give us the ideas. And then because they have full-time jobs doing that, we go out and we find the resources and connect to the people and try to get folks. Um, You know, one of the themes last year, major themes, 
you know, was just about healing because people were so like teaching in the COVID year. And so we've never had this before, but we had like in every session, there was a strand of like movement and dance and something where people could kind of move their bodies and do mindfulness and meditation, just because that was like the number one thing people were saying that they needed. And so we just try to always listen to like what our, our committee tells us are kind of the most important issues and then build a conference agenda around it. And I love that. It was a powerful conference when I was able to go um, in 2000. What was your favorite session? Oh, honestly, the Cox family. So um, I know <laughs> powerful, powerful. There's a Hispanic, uh, Latinx, and also identifies LGBTQ plus community uh, teacher. And you've had one teacher of the year. He was also amazing dynamic. They actually partnered and did the um, session together because they are in the yeah. same school, which I know now. But uh, overall, Gloria Lance and Billings and Chris Emden, like dynamics. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? And I got a picture with Gloria Lance Billings and I will never forget that. And she's actually coming up to Rochester on April 7th at the U of R for a conference through their diversity and equity um, committee. Uh, so it, or, I'm so excited for that and their organization. So overall, I have never been in space with so many educators of color. Yeah. Like so the that in itself, Corey, was powerful. The, the first year, so I don't know if you know who Dina Simmons is, but Dina, um, you know, has a really powerful TED talk about imposter syndrome. And, you know, she speaks in front of thousands of people. Um, and like the very first time she got up to speak at Amplify, she was just overcome. And she was just like, I've never been in, in this room. I've never been in a place where all the educators look like me. And like, that was, those are the kind of things. I mean, we do a lot of stuff wrong in philanthropy, like all industries, but this felt like we got something right. Um, and so we're just really trying to continue listening to the community and feeling out like, what are the things I can't, I don't know what's, what people are going to need next year. Cause now I just feel like we've gotten, you know, COVID just keeps going and going. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what people are going to, going to need, but we're going to try to find the right folks to, to inspire. And that was the other thing that we set out, you know, we always expected if you present at Amplify, you know, you present solutions. Like I, I didn't want folks to come and just have some weekend where we're just rehashing all the hard parts about it. Cause we know all the hard parts, what we needed was some inspiration and some tools and some strategies or some ways to start conversations that become ongoing and support our educators. That, that was the hope. And I would say, through my experience in 2017, you accomplished that hope. And it was so heartbreaking once COVID hit uh, that, you know, I wasn't able to come back because we told our district leaders, we're coming back every year. You're sending us every year. And so I know this year you had a virtual conference um, and I'm just looking forward to your next in-person conference because like I said, I've never been in a space such as that. And it was so refreshing and so powerful. Ah, I just, I I can't, there's no words. Um, We cried during that weekend. Um, We rejoiced, we danced, we laughed, we learned. Um, And we shared stories. And it was a safe space to do that. And we met some amazing people that I am blessed to be in contact with. And 
and just blessed that through my district leader, we have this contact now through, you know, uh, with Amplify and with you, Corey. And so I guess even just to kind of show about me, you know, I know we talked earlier, but I just started Black Educators Connect because I want something like that here in Rochester. Yeah. And there's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. And I had to, I was thinking to myself, who are the educators of color that I know? And it's very, very limited. My mother, my father, and their circle of friends that I grew up seeing and in, in, in their schools and watching, but it was not many. And it broke my heart because I just want a space for us to be able to encourage, uplift, support, share, learn, um, and have fun with each other, share stories with each other, and once again, recreate that safe space that I felt at Amplify. And that was on my heart for years. And with COVID, you know, kind of stopped me from being able to even, you know, put anything to action. And so that's my hope is that I can recreate that in Rochester and continue to partner with you guys um, in the vision, which is I think it should be a space that is hold globally in every state. There should be something like this in every state, um, not just having to go to Kansas City to get it. Right. I'm sure there's other states, you know, that have it. But I know right now in our area, at least Monroe County, Rochester, New York, we don't. Right. And that's a problem. And you well, highlighted the, the numbers. So a few years ago, it was 90% of white women were the majority of educators. And now you're saying 75% and we still have a problem. We have a ways to go. And you said 2% black men. That breaks my heart because our students, our students of color and our white students need to see black men in leadership, leadership healthy leadership um, and be successful. And, and that breaks my heart. And so there's a long ways to go. And, and of course, there's so much that has gotten us here uh, that is we can't fault, you know, and point the finger at this moment. But we know there's systems that have been set against, you know, this progress. Right. And I am just so thankful that you guys took the time to envision and put to action, creating a safe space for educators of color. So thank you. Thank you. Our pleasure. Like it, it always feels that weekend is the hardest week of my life and the best week of my life in some ways, just because you, there's just so much that goes into making it happen. Um, but then, you know, the feedback, I mean, the feedback is off the chart, the feedback, the way people feel. And it's just because the space is so necessary. I mean, I agree with you. I want it in every city in the country. I've always wanted it in every city in every country. Um, and you know, Kansas city was made for educators of color in Kansas city. Basically it has become some phenomenon of other places, but I would love it if other cities picked up the mantle. And then if we could do something where you bring kind of all the leaders of each city together and we support the leaders of the cities and the leaders of, of the convenings, um, to go back to your community, because I think something that happens sometimes in education, when you go to a conference if you're the one person from your city who's gone to the conference, it's a lot harder to bring back kind of what you learned. What we loved about Amplify was most of the educators were from our city. So there's lots of people who had a common experience. Now, after all these years, there's, I mean, now it's a joke. Now, like when people come, you know, from DC who have been there, we have people who've been there all five years who come from out of town, like they're best friends with all the people who are from Kansas city. That's another thing that doesn't get to happen often for educators is to make deep bonds with people outside of your school. Sometimes you don't even know the people two floors up, let alone, you know, from a different school or a different district. And so building 
that kind of community across cities and states is something that I think has been really powerful as well. I couldn't agree more. And so as we're talking about how do we bring restoration and healing to our communities, how do we create these safe spaces, right, for all people, it's evident in our conversation, you guys have done that. And you're continuing to find ways to do that, to expand, to make more connections. And that's what educators truly need are those spaces for all educators, right? Not as educators of color. We deserve to have that downtime to connect, to share our stories, share our hearts and struggles, but also our areas of success and to build upon that because we are lifelong learners. Educators should be lifelong learners. So I guess I'd love to t- you know, segue into the next question of, you know, how does someone go about brain restoration and healing to build within their communities? What would you say are some tips or advice for those who are looking to make dynamic change like you, Kaufman and Amplify have done, um, just to name an example. I mean, I, I think it just starts with listening, right? Like you have to be willing to understand what it is that people need. Don't, don't try to solve a problem that you don't even know what the problem is. I think that's something that happens a lot. And philanthropy is super guilty for that, right? Like we think we know the problems, but we never ask people. So I think when you're trying to create change, It's really important for those that are most proximate to the issue to be giving you the advice. I always wanted the committee from Amplify to have people who are teachers in the classroom, people who are administrators in the buildings. You know, I did all that a million years ago, but I'm not proximate enough. I don't know enough anymore about what's I was never in a, you know, a leadership role or a teaching role in COVID. So what do I know about what education looks like anymore? Nothing really. And so I think that the most important step is really making sure that the people that are most proximate to the problem are the ones explaining it so that you can work together to help solve it. I think that's, that's a step we get wrong all the time. I think we make assumptions about what needs to be done. And then we set out to solve what we assume is the problem. And we might be missing the entire thing. Yeah, I think that's so true. It's so true that we just, like you said, need to be able to listen, to give voice. And that's all a part of creating those safe spaces. And we do as a team, we work together, but the ways to do that is to listen. Do less talking, more listening. Um, and then sharing as well, you know, sharing as well. So I just love all of the, the information you've shared just based on what you have done, you know, to bring restoration healing to your communities and all the powerful things Kansas City, Missouri is doing and that I was able to to witness, be a part of and how exciting it was. So as we close, Corey, is there any last thing that you'd like to share to our listeners? Um, I don't know. Just don't give up. Like that's the other thing. I mean, I hope Amplify, I love you. You've made my day just by your enthusiasm because it's supposed to be a shot in the arm, right? It's supposed to be, how do we do something special for our educators so that they can go and face Monday morning? Because it's really hard. Teaching is really hard. Um, And so I guess I would just say, you know, stay in the fight, you know, show up for our kids. Don't give up. If you need help, ask for it, Um, you know, and just keep showing up for our kids because they need all of us to show up for them. 
Love those last words that our kids need all of us to show up for them. And it takes a village. It takes a team. So, Corey, I want to just thank you so much for your time today, your wisdom, your experiences, all the hard work that you have put in to create safe spaces um, and and bring restoration and healing to communities. Uh, So thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on and joining us today and sharing all the great things with our community of listeners. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you.